0: He's short. He looks very similar to Kevin. And I joke with Kevin that it's his great, 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 10 times over granddaddy. It It could could be. be.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Filling Station podcast.
0: Whether you're on a break or on a walk or getting a cup of coffee, you can drop in and listen to me, Lindsay, and my little sister, Mallory. (laughs) Tell you some positive, fun, uplifting stories to help you get through these weird times.
1: We can all use some positive vibes. Skitty leap Good morning.
0: Good morning. Man, I love when you are in a good mood. There is nobody that I would rather be around when they are feeling themselves than you. And you are feeling yourself this morning. And I like that.
1: Well, thank you. I just feel all... I have a lot of physical energy.
0: You haven't gone on one of your trademark four and a half hour, 300 mile walks today yet?
1: No, but I think I might get one in this afternoon uh, because it is beautiful.
0: Beautiful. It's beautiful here too. It's a little windy, but uh, it's lovely. We had massive storms rolled through yesterday, but... Um, everything's good. Everything's all the limbs are in place and there was no flooding, so we're good. We're good. Oh, good.
1: And the dogs have recovered from their fear.
0: They have recovered from their fear. And once again, Kevin is joining me in the recording the studio and he is sawn logs. So if you hear him, <laughs> that is what is going on next to me.
1: It's not you, uh tootin'.
0: It's not me tooting. And it's <laughs> I have to choose between The lesser of two evils because if I leave him outside, then he just bangs his fat head against the door (laughs) and he thinks that it will magically open at some point, but it never does.
1: He just wants to be with you,
0: he just wants to be in here with daddy.
1: Oh, well, I am excited to be back in the quote unquote recording studios this morning. Before we jump into the episode today, I had a cool thing I wanted to share. And that is, um, as we talked about last week, uh, last – on Saturday was our dad's birthday. And one story that my dad always told growing up was that he loved Guy's potato chips, which are from Kansas City. I didn't realize that. I didn't And either. Um, he always wanted, like, one bag of potato chips for his birthday that he could just eat to himself and not have to share with any of his siblings. Anyway, I called up Guy's potato chips – for, uh, for his birthday as like a surprise. And I just talked to this person in customer service. Her name is Haley. And I said, just hear me out. I'm going to tell you a little something weird and let's see if we can figure something out. And I kind of told her what I just said to you about his birthday and was wondering if they could put together something to send to him. And Haley was on it and so excited and enthusiastic and said that she would put something together, take some pictures and email me and put together like this awesome grab bag, um, a box full of guys potato chips and snacks and a t-shirt and a tote bag and a handwritten card made like a used a guy's card and hand wrote on it and um, sent it to my dad for his birthday and did all of this after like going back and forth over email, she was like, we want to do this for your dad for, for as like, a gift yeah. from guys. And uh, he got it yesterday and loved it. And we have a video of him opening it up and it's the cutest thing ever. He's so tickled. I know. So thank you guys. Huge shout out. That was like such a small thing that you did. Um, and well, it was, it made a big impact Yeah. and I feel like for them, it probably wasn't a huge amount of coordination and it was just so he just loved it so much. He so thank you. He loved
0: it. And the video is incredible. And he does in Thompson fashion drop a little bit of a curse word in it, but we're still gonna post it on the Instagram page. And you guys can I didn't even you guys can check didn't. it out. He was so excited that he said a little curse word, but that's okay. That's it's his 75th <laughs> birthday. He can do whatever the hell he wants. So but he's earned shout it. shout out to guys. Yeah, he always talked about, you know, he grew up with five brothers and sisters, and he He always likes to act like, um, he didn't get any food or anything. And so he, uh, yeah, he always asked for a single giant or the, as big as they got back in the day, bag of guys, potato chips. And then he would hide them underneath his bed. So his brothers and sisters couldn't get them.
1: (laughs) So he got, he got his fair share this year. And I was talking to him last night on the phone and he was analyzing, um, different potato chips and why guys are the best, which I just was like, dad, I didn't. I knew you loved them, but I didn't know like you loved them this much. She was talking about why they were like (laughs) superior to kettle chips. I was like, okay, this this is there. You go. So, yes,
0: well, this is an exciting episode. I'm excited for this.
1: Yes, me too. You want to kind
0: of tell the listeners what we were thinking when we came up with this kind of theme?
1: Yeah, we decided we wanted to do something that was. Not like a history lesson because that sounds boring, but like just to talk about something and maybe explain like the historical contexts um, and spit some some facts. But you know, yeah, definitely want to preface this by saying we're not historians, so um, you know we'll try and get it right as we yeah, always we'll do. Yeah, we'll try
0: our best, but really, these are two cool stories. I think that. Um, I think yours in particular is really specific to New York and the East coast. And mine is just a good old fashioned war story. And.
1: Oh, whoa. yeah. So
0: let's get ready. Let's get into it.
1: Okay. You go first today. You want
0: me to go first? You're going to put the heat on me. Uh huh. Okay. So. Back in. Before world war one. Um, there was a young soldier by the name of J Robert Conroy, and he was training with his infantry battalion, um, at Yale and he was, you know, they did a lot of work like on the Yale football field as they prepared, um, to eventually go over to the front lines in world war one. And he was in the 26th division of the American expeditionary forces and, uh, which is also the 102nd, um, And while they were working out and doing all their stuff in preparation for war, a little stray dog showed up and it was a little short, stubby little dog that had a barrel chest. And as the New York Times wrote in this dog's obituary. He they described him as having, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce the word right, so I'm just going to say it in a different way. Basically, a very unique face, and one that <laughs> one that was not suited for gas mask, as I will talk about in a minute. Um, but this little dog showed up, and Sergeant Con- or uh, Robert Conroy um, took a liking to this dog and kept him um, for the cu- next couple of months while they were in training and fed him and and took him as his own and even taught him to salute. By raising his little right paw up in the air. And that's how he would salute. And he named this dog. Stubby. And he named him Stubby because of his stature. And because of his little stub tail. He was brown Uh and white. And brindle. And he was as the. um, New York Times described him. Or As one article described him, he was unpedigreed, untrained, and an underdog, and the perfect representation of United States soldiers at this time.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's a powerful it's quote. It's a powerful quote. So, Stubby was basically brought
0: in, and he was basically kind of like the mascot of the 26th Division. And so the uh, the 26th got their orders to start to head out to Europe, and they took a train down to Newport News, Virginia, which is the place where they were shipping, them, shipping the soldiers out. And so they stowed Stubby in the train and took him with him, no big deal. And they got down there, and dogs were not allowed in the military at this time. Even though a lot of other countries did have dogs uh they used them for a lot of different things and military now like all the militaries in the in the world have dogs and all sorts of kind of animals that help them um in battle and in in uh in recon and all sorts of kind of stuff but anyway so they go to load up on the boat and Conroy's like. I can't leave, can't leave stubby behind. You know what I mean? I got nobody to leave him with. I'm going to take him with me. So he hid him in his jacket, like basically had him like in this big jacket, stowed him on the ship and actually put him down in the boiler room. And there were a couple other people that were involved in this, in in stowing stubby on the, on the boat. (laughs) And stubby as legend goes, was discovered by one of the higher ranking officers and the officer was pissed because there 's this dog they there' in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and yeah. they 're going to war, and there 's a dog on the boat, but Stubby uh you know earned some favor from that officer by saluting him and got on his good side <gasps> and raised his little paw and saluted him and the officer was like, "You know what oh, he 's part God. of the crew now he 's on the boat he 's coming with us yeah there's no, no turning back, guy. so Stubby got free reign of the ship. They went to France and Stubby um, became a war dog. And he served with the 26th Division of the American Expeditionary Forces. Um, and that specific division had more days of fighting than any other American regiment in World War One. They fought for over 200 days. They had more than 200 days of battle. Oh, my gosh. Stubby was involved in all of it, right? So Stubby was right there. He learned... Uh, He was really good at he could hear the whistle of of rockets and and mortar shells and all sorts kind of stuff before other people could obviously before anybody could and he would alert um, his crew or his his fellow soldiers he even could smell gas before it got like before the actual gas got to them and he would run up and down the trenches and and yeah. warn the the other the soldiers about the the gas and what was going on. He even at one point uh, captured he learned the difference between the US uh, uniforms their their military uniforms and the german military uniforms and he they had to chain him up whenever they had german prisoners like in camp because they were afraid that he would rip off their pants and all these soldiers all these prisoners would end up in the prison <laughs> with no pants on so they had to like chain him up because he would lose his mind at the,
1: he's so so loyal and so, so loyal
0: and he always wanted to go after the Germans. He hated the Germans. And he, even one time he caught a German spy sneaking into camp and attacked this guy and held him there until his other soldiers could show up. They took the iron cross off of that, that German spy. So, you know, the German iron cross and pinned it and made a little thing for it and hung it off of stubby's tail. And he wore it around all the time. Yes. Yes. So Stubby became like this massive mascot for the 26th and the 102nd. And he was there the entire time he suffered an injury during the war. He got hit with shrapnel and he disappeared. There's a couple of different um, stories out there. And a lot of this comes from Conroy's uh, own journal. So some of it's like, how much was he embellishing and how much was it was really factual, but anyway,
1: I feel like from a journal, it would be a lot more factual. Potentially,
0: but you, you know, Conroy could have wanted to embellish a little bit, but anyway, so he got Mm -hmm. injured in battle and actually got a battle wound cross that he, or a bar battle wound bar onto his little, he wore a little, um, little vest with all of his medals that the, that some French women had made him. He, he ended up, so they, he survived the war impossibly Um, he survived all of these gas attacks all this sort of stuff he won all sorts of kind of awards and he eventually was given a higher rank than conroy and he became known as sergeant stubby and so he was the highest ranking dog sergeant Sergeant stubby (laughs) he was the highest ranking dog Ever in the United States military. He still is the most decorated war dog in the military. He's basically a Boston Terrier, Bull Terrier, Pitbull mutt. He's short. He looks very similar to Kevin. And I joke with Kevin that it's his great, 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 great 10 times over granddaddy. It, it could, could be. be. And he came back from the war and he went back to Georgetown with Conroy, where Conroy went to law school, and he actually ended up becoming the motivation for the mascot at Georgetown, which is the Hoyas, but the, the logo yeah. is a bulldog. It doesn't look anything like Stubby, but it's that was the history behind the Georgetown Hoya mascot is Sergeant Stubby.
1: Who, who knew? knew?
0: He met three different presidents he traveled all over the place and was like in parades and was um
1: well, was yeah. was
0: given all these con- commendations from the U- United States military to the point that it kind of pissed off some other soldiers they're like hey this dog didn't do very much you know like he was just a dog like what about everybody else but he was the perfect war hero and he he lived this great life i've got all these incredible pictures that i'll share on on instagram and i could talk about sergeant stubby and all of his accolades and all the stuff that he did i could talk about it for two hours it's one of my favorite stories in the whole world but i've got all these incredible pictures and when he died he died in 1926 in conroy's arms and the new york times wrote a full half-page obituary which was way longer than anybody else's obituary that they had read or that they had written about anybody about Sergeant Stubby. There's actually a movie out about him that looks pretty terrible to be Frank. It's like an animated kids movie about Sergeant Stubby, (laughs) but he is the most badass little dog wearing his little vest with all of his medals and his little German iron cross. And he went all over the place and was just like this really awesome mascot. And really helped the boys get through World War I. He did. He would help with the soldiers when they got injured. He would lay with them. He would keep people company. He was all, always warning and and, and alerting people yeah. to things. The New York Times obituary is just, just incredible. Um, and he actually, if you wanted to see Sergeant Stubby, even today, they taxidermied him. And he is at the Smithsonian. And The, the uh, New York times article or the New York times obituary says his Arlington is to be the Smithsonian Institute. And that is where he still is. There's a whole, there's a whole thing dedicated to Sergeant stubby at the Smithsonian, including his little taxidermy body, still wearing his vest and all of his medals.
1: Oh my gosh. I, I mean, it seems like he can be credited with actually like, Doing thing, I mean, doing things, but like contributing, ideally, to maybe some of the wins that the twenty yeah. six. is that what? Yeah, that the twenty six had. I mean, I just think about the fact that like he probably hadn't necessarily smelled gas before, but then when they noticed he was acting a certain way, any time that that would happen, it was like, "Okay, this is actually like useful for us." And then, of course, as you mentioned, with like the soldiers that, that were injured. From like a mental health standpoint, which not that anybody was talking about it at that point, but like offering comfort and um, that is just an incredible story. And I hadn't heard the entire one. Maybe you had briefly mentioned it before, but I did not know the like the length of that story and especially not that you can still see. I didn't know that
0: either until I started researching this and I don't know how I ever discovered him in the first place, but he's incredible he's beautiful in a very he's beautiful in an ugly sort of way he's just like the sweetest boy and was such a good soldier and such a good comrade to all of those all of those soldiers in the twenty-six. and i just
1: and he survived he survived which is insane yeah. trench warfare and this dog survived that's yeah. wild and his owner i mean that's r- remarkable. remarkable and And I didn't, I also didn't realize like how much you were talking earlier about um, how like canines are used in the military now. Um, Obviously, with like some things as of late, I've heard stories about stuff, but I didn't think that um, or realize that it was maybe an intentional part of like, oh, yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. There's even stories out there about different countries using dolphins to help with spy missions and recon, and they use all sorts of kind of animals now. And actually a buddy of mine from high school is a canine soldier. I don't know what the proper term is, but is a canine officer in the, in the air force um, and has his dog and has been with that dog forever. And he's got some incredible pictures of him jumping out of the back of helicopters with his dog strapped to his chest. I mean, it's pretty (laughs) sweet. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> and he's probably not jumping out with a chihuahua it's probably like a German yeah, shepherd yeah, who weighs, like hundred and six pounds yeah. like oh my gosh wow what a great story that is awesome thank you no so problem much. sorry i went a little long um, like i said i
0: could talk about Stubbs for for weeks
1: i cannot wait <laughs> to see a picture of stubby and his i am a little confused about the german um metal on his tail um but i am sure that it wasn't like actually pinned no, to his tail no, as you mentioned no. there was probably some sort of thing that yeah. it was attached to that was on his tail which is so funny um well that's the first thing i'm going to do when we get done with this is check out a picture of sergeant yes, stubby Sergeant
0: Stubby, check him out he's beautiful
1: well this may be one of the first times that i'm not sure i can find like a <laughs> a line or a link between like our two stories um, maybe one small link, but uh, mine is 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 a completely different topic. So, in thinking about what I wanted to talk about, um, a recent conversation I had with my sister and my brother-in-law um, popped into my head, and so I want to talk about something that is very unique to New York and um, a little bit about the history, which. I didn't really know until I was talking to Carrie and Trafton about this and then read a little bit more about it. But when I first moved to New York um, over eight years ago, i if you've been to New York or you know someone who lives here, you may have heard someone use the term bodega. And so when I first moved here, I have this very distinct memory of talking to this friend's sister and we were going to the park or something and on the way someone said we got to stop at the bodega and I was so green so green when I think back to like this question I asked it's hilarious (laughs) and almost painful but I was like what is a bodega or like what makes a bodega a bodega and the girl just looks at me and she's like a bodega's a bodega (laughs) and that was like her only explanation it was like this is like the most like meta thing ever or this is like the like Or you're kind of just like, you know, trolling me a little bit. Like that doesn't answer my question, but now I get what she means. Like a bodega is a bodega. It's hard to like totally pinpoint what it is. So that's what I kind of want to talk about tonight is, or today is what is a bodega. So um, if you haven't been to New York or you're not sure at all what I'm talking about to just simply put it, a bodega is like a corner store that's basically open 24 hours a day that sells lottery tickets, milk, eggs, staples for your house, um, candies, cigarettes. It's like a gas station, but without the gas <laughs> and it's so much better because so it also, it's so much better. Um, and they are on a lot of street corners in New York. I think an article that I read said that there's about 13,000 in New York now, which to me actually seems pretty low. Wow. Um, yeah. Considering how frequently you will see them, <laughs> there's often bodegas on two street corners or across from each other. So um, I am where I live now. It's actually kind of unfortunate. We don't have like a staple bodega right around the corner from us, which is so unfortunate. All my other apartments, there's been a bodega
0: underneath you
1: (laughs) you, underneath me that was there was one um definitely underneath me across the street on the corner opposite um so but they're never far away like the one the closest one to me is probably like a block and a half so (laughs) nothing (laughs) to (laughs) complain about so what actually is a bodega where did they come from so and doing this research a little bit, bodega is actually a Spanish word, which can mean storeroom or wine cellar or grocery store. And these shops actually started to pop up in the 1940s, 1950s, primarily in Hispanic communities in New York City. And um, the majority of them started out being opened by like Puerto Ricans and Caribbean and Latin American immigrants who came to New York in large numbers after World War II. So... Um, Basically, that's the link I was thinking was like, oh, you talked about World <laughs> right. War One, and I like this World War II reference randomly in this story. Um, but really what happened is people started to open these stores because they wanted more of like a local convenience that you could run to daily, which is really, again, like essentially what a bodega is. Rather than having to go to the grocery store and bulk up for a week or – you know, drive to Costco and get like huge packages of toilet paper. You go to the bodega and you can buy like a single roll right. of toilet paper. So um, that is really where these stores started to pop-, pop up was in the 1940s and 50s, and they started to multiply. Um, owners are not exclusively Latin American now, but like the name has just stuck. Um, the other funny thing about bodegas is that they're—I've never called one by its actual right. name. Right. Like, I've never what are they
0: even called. I don't even know
1: <laughs> what their right. names are. Yeah. I mean, like maybe I, I like Apple Deli or something like there's, it's the bodega. But they don't really it's the ever, bodega. it's the bodega right. close to you that you go to. Um, So again, as I mentioned, they're mostly open like 24 seven and you have access to everything that you could possibly want, which is such a funny concept because they're t- small, tight stores, but I have very rarely ever gone into bodega and not found what I have been yeah. looking for, um, so they are ubiquitous. Bu- ubiquitous with New York, so they're spread across all five boroughs. And it is like, and perhaps one of the best parts about bodegas is very many of them have bodega cats, oh. and there's actually an Instagram called Bodega Cats of Instagram, and the bodega cats are they are to serve one purpose and one purpose only which is keep them keep the rats yes keep the rats <laughs> no <away>. doubt no <laughs> doubt which it you know still a very real problem here in new york city but the fun thing is is that the bodega cats have kind of they become like mascots of their own right in your neighborhood bodega and you look for them and you learn their names and you talk to them and hence this hilarious Instagram bodega cats of Instagram. <laughs> and they're always just like lounging on beer or on top of like, they just have like pretty much full reign of the store, which sounds gross, but it's not because believe me the at first would be <laughs> right. much, much, much worse. Um, the other thing about bodegas that's so unique. And I think really just like heartwarming because people tend to think that like New Yorkers, don't look after each other. But I think if one thing about the current state of the situation that we're in is like, we can definitely see that that's not true. Um, and this is another, another example of that is the fact that um, bodegas are often like a local spot where you could go and ask for a favor. Yeah. So if you have um, a package that's being delivered, you can leave a note on your front door, like deliver to the bodega down the street oh, or that's cool. if you're, let's say, yeah. Or, Um, we did in our old bodega, like left a key for someone to pick up that needed to get into your apartment for some reason. Or I can't tell you how many times in um, the apartment that I lived in a few years ago that late night would go in there and didn't have enough cash for what i wanted and the guy would be like oh i got you you know just right. next time um which is it's just so it's just i think it really has this like very like neighborhood feel it brings the neighborhood together you often see people like hanging out in them and it's a place to like pick up on news yeah. and like you know it's just like it's kind of like life happens around your local no bodega. the neighborhood
0: bodega um, yeah
1: Yeah. So unfortunately, um, bodegas are kind of like on the decline a little bit in New York city, which is very, uh, sad and unfortunate. I do think that they will power through. There's nothing that can, you know, they're competing with things like Amazon delivery now. And, um, a lot of these other places like Instacart and stuff that's like able to deliver these things that you might normally just like run out for and grab. Um, you can get those deliveries in a couple of hours or something. But I think that they're just like such an institution to New York that they will be here till the end of time. I'm not concerned for them, but, um,
0: I'm not either because they're so woven into the fabric of not just New York city, but like just the neighborhood. And I've lived all Mm -hmm. over the place. I've never lived in New York city, but when I lived in Oklahoma, there was actually what we in the neighborhood called was a bodega in our neighborhood. And it was a convenience store that just had everything in the whole world that you would ever want, except for gas. And it was the exact same thing. And as the bodegas in New York city and they would, one of my neighbors was a starving artist and they would loan, they would front him money. They'd even like loan him money. And like, he'd go back in there and pay him back. Whenever he sold some artwork, they were all, you, you get to know those guys, you know what I mean? You go in there so much that you get to know them and they keep you up to date on their family. And it's like, it's the, the heart of like your little neighborhood. It's like where, you know, you can go and find out everything that's going on. And, you know, whenever I come and visit you in New York city, it's not, I don't want to go to times square. I don't want to go to, you know, the empire state building. I want to go check out the bodega. I want to go hang out at the bodega. I want to go and get some drinks and, you know, hang out on the corner and see what's going on in the neighborhood. You know, I think it's, it's such a cool, intricate part of New York city that, You know, like a lot of people just miss whenever they go and visit there because it's such like it's kind of like the last gasp thing that a lot of like native New Yorkers and people that are actually live in New York still have for themselves. That hasn't been bastardized by tourists. You know what I mean? And um, I love the bodega, man. I can't I can't get enough of it. It's making me want like a bodega sandwich right now really bad because that's the other thing. They always have the best like sandwiches or tacos or something like it's always Always so so good. So,
1: yeah, that's another part of them is like that's they have like a grill generally, and they like yeah. put like breakfast sandwiches. Like that's kind of like everybody has like a breakfast sandwich. Like you have your go to staple breakfast sandwich right. order from the bodega. Like that was also like a coming of age thing for me. It's like, well, what what's your breakfast sandwich order? It's like, what do you mean my breakfast sandwich order? It's like you know that you go and you get on the weekend like. Before you're going to the beach <laughs> right. on like a nice summer day. Like you go to the bodega and grab a a nice egg and bacon and cheese, right. you know, like on a roll, whatever. whatever. So they're um they're just like neighborhood institutions. And I think that they will definitely be here. It's a quintessential New York
0: East Coast thing, man. Yeah. It's so
1: No, it's like really like New York, you know? Like I don't even think that it's New York. New York.
0: All right. My bad. My bad. <laughs> Forget about the one I said that existed in Oklahoma. That was just like a random <laughs> store. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> but it is, man. It's like cool the- as hell, man. I love, I love the bodega. I love that story. I didn't know the history about it, and I'm gonna definitely have to go follow Bodega Cats of Instagram. No yes, doubt, for
1: sure. I didn't paint like a huge long history of it, but what I'll link to is um, there's a New York. Uh, or excuse me, an NPR article on short um, all things considered like clip that talks about it a little bit more about um, the history in terms of like
0: immigrants and yeah. like the Puerto
1: Rican population and like the turnover and kind of um, that a little bit more in depth. So, um, I will link to that. I just kind of more or less told people what a bodega was. So can't wait for you to come visit. And no doubt. Out.
0: And if any of our listeners are going to New York anytime soon, hopefully soon, um, go go find that local bodega, man, because you're going to learn more about the history and the culture of that, like in the little neighborhood that you're staying in yeah, than anything sure. else that you can do. Exactly. It's a good one, so. Mal. Nice job.
1: Oh, thanks. All right. Well, well. I will be back on Thursday. All right.
0: Love you, kiddo. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Filling Station Pod. Mallory and I are having a fantastic time delivering you these hilarious and uplifting stories. If you want to be involved with the podcast, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Filling Station Pod. Or you can email us at the filling station Pod at gmail.com.